welcome to Rebel FM. It's episode three hundred and sixty-eight. No, three hundred and eighty-two. Three hundred eighty-two. I literally just <laughs> quarter of a year behind. We went through you having the wrong number by two hundred and, and something fifty. Yeah. Now I just told you the number that came to my head briefly. Two hundred and five. Right. Uh, two hundred and five. You were off by two hundred and five. <laughs> um, I might think I was joining me as Arthur Geese. Eternally disappointed. Matt Shandernay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Today I looked up and I'm read, not and read through a bunch of, uh, you know, just the weird internet rabbit holes you go through. And today I just mm-hmm. spent time looking through a wiki at different Starship classes from Star Trek. Nice. <laughs> but it all started because I was trying to figure out, is the Star Trek Discovery in the same timeline as all the other Star Treks? It is. It is. is it, it definitely Canonically, is. yes. The only one that yeah. is non-canonical are the J.J. Abrams yep. movies. All the yep. other ones fit oh, into I the same Discovery timeline. Oh, I thought Discovery might have like been nope. canonical with the Abrams. No, nah, so. so did I at first, but they said yeah. that it will they will make sense of why the Klingons look different and stuff like that. Which is so, so weird to me. They fucking always say that. <laughs> yeah. They say yeah. that in everything. Uh, because the Klingons in the original series were, were really blackface looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were just blackface. They were white people yeah. in black makeup, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is not a great look. No. no. Um. <laughs> Not a good look. Yeah, I like the. I definitely like the next generation era Klingons the best. I still wonder if, like, the Tarantino Star Trek movie is going to happen. I didn't even there know was that that was a be thing. One? Yeah, he was supposedly going to do the next uh, Star Trek movie. I think it sounds too um, violent, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> was it uh, Justin Lin did the last Star Trek movie? I yeah. Think? Yeah, because I feel um, like there was one really violent Star Trek episode, and they never aired it after it aired one time. Yeah, and I know it, that was the one where there were the aliens, the parasites that were taking over Starfleet oh, from within, and they like yeah. phaser burned it, and uh-huh. it was like squealing inside a half dead body. Yeah, well, well like, and they then the half torched the dude's whole upper torso. Right, it was like, very alien. Shrieking. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it that. was. It was very alien. Yeah, it was yeah. very, very. And you could tell because people had their little the little tails sticking out of their necks. Mm-hmm. It was their where their gills were. Yeah. yeah. I saw that on, uh, yeah, I saw that episode when it first aired and like, I was, I was obviously I'm older than you guys, but I was still young enough that it sort of freaked me out because I never liked horror movies and I felt like I just watched a horror movie. It didn't freak me out because I definitely saw a lot of movies growing up that I absolutely had no business seeing. (laughs) I thought it was weird. I thought it was, I remember, I mean, even now it's gross. I think maybe on the podcast I told the story about the first time I saw Aliens, which was like when I was six. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I saw. There there are other fucked up examples, though. Like, I saw The Fly around the same time. Really? So did I, and I also saw uh, the first of the two-part It miniseries when it was televised Mm. my parents for some reason (laughs) let my little kid self watch the first part and no joke i didn't take a shower for like eight months i took baths wow really suicide too well that's in the second part of it in the first part oh no you're right it does end with the suicide (laughs) yes and it does end with the suicide rather than go back but not just that but it shows you know the kid it implies the kid getting his arm ripped off it implies Mm -hmm. all these things that i was just like to me, that was like the most horrifying thing. I was terrified of drains. I was like, I couldn't believe my parents, <laughs> out of not a want to fight me about what they had to do with me, were like, yeah, I guess you can watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, like Predator, uh, Lethal Weapon, stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, was, it, it that is the most fucked up Star Trek episode. It's Next Generation episode. Oh, yeah. They only aired it once. Um, I mean, 
Was it really not in syndication? It was not again? in syndication. No, it never was. Did because it ever... they got complaints about it. Which is kind of bananas to me because it ends on such like a massive kind of cliffhanger note. Like well, yeah. And they're it, sending the courier signal out to the other aliens. Yeah, and they basically say that like uh, the entire upper echelon of Starfleet command was infiltrated and now they're all dead and there's nobody commanding Starfleet anymore. Are they all dead? I think that... It's not that they were all dead; it's that they were all infected, right? Because but that, like, but but by the end of the ep, by the end of the episode, they the way that I and obviously this like could be totally revisionist. Were dead, by the yeah. End of the I episode. think a lot of admirals were dead, but I think by the end of the episode, they implied that they basically expunged the infection and that that took down the, all of the upper echelons of Starfleet Command, and you know which could have been a really interesting storyline, but then they just moved on; they never really go back to it or mention it again. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there so, might have been one episode where they refer to it as like an issue. They like I think they were wanting yeah. to largely forget about it after the complaints, but yeah. it's pretty it's pretty interesting, you know. I just I just found myself reading about all this. Sh- I, I find the ship classifications in anything science fiction really fascinating. Yeah, me too. Just it's fun stuff. It's right. it's fun world building. Exactly. So like none of the three Abram like the first Abram Star Trek movie did really well. The second one did not. I saw really, the first I and second. It. I never saw the third. The second is bad. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of why I didn't. Bad. I didn't really see right. the third because I didn't really like the, the third second that much. The third is good, actually. I really like the um, third one. <clears throat> right. Beyond. Um, yeah, Beyond has the best use of a Beastie Boys song in any science fiction so thing. I ever. guess I should watch. <laughs> I guess I should watch that one. Yeah. I, but I, I feel like a lot of people who made that movie just don't have the heart to do another one. Yeah, maybe because um, Anton Yelchin died. Maybe they should. That's right. Maybe they should just get a different crew and do a different movie series. I mean, uh, so, so the I saw like a story on one of those fucking Zergnet Link Farm things of uh, <laughs> what's his name who plays Spock in the remakes, mm-hmm. talking about like what Tarantino's movie might be. Hmm. So it sounds like they're still in discussion. Sure. About it. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, with the with the same cast. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested in more Star Trek movies that aren't. Uh, franchises. I know that that's like probably not going to happen, but I, one I think off- that, that that ignores like the strength of the property at this point. Like Star Trek's strength is in large part its existence as like a, as a narr- as a canonical narrative. Yeah. Um, Instead can- of just a world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they can introduce new characters probably. Like every sure. every Star Trek movie introduced a different villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except for the best Star Trek movie, <laughs> and a few new and a few new friends each time too. Although they're although they're typically only there for one movie. Um, but yeah. Um. So yeah, been watching Star Trek and reading about starships <laughs> for no good reason. You should call your dog. Shasta, come here. Anthony's uh, dog Shasta is over here this evening. Every time I see her, I'm reminded how adorable she is. Yeah. She's well behaved ish. <laughs> She's um, still a dog. Much. No, she doesn't. No, she's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I play barely anything. Yeah, I, I kind of tapped out my time with Astro New Year at this point. I discovered that you could make trains in that game mm-hmm. out of like you build rovers and rovers can tie to each other. And so now I just made it my life's mission to make like <laughs> as big of a roaming base as I can that's like self sufficient. That was in the uh, the very first version. It that was, came and out. I forgot about. Yeah. So you want to make the Snowpiercer train and ask? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I draw. I, I did that with a friend uh, of mine, Jacob, with less people eating. And I we would drive around, and all we would do is uh, they've made ways to grind up space garbage and turn it into money. Yeah. So I would drive around and just 
basically hmm. be a garbage man grinding up stuff. It Bitcoin. wasn't people eating. It wasn't people eating. It was bug eating. Um, well, there were bugs, but I thought that like they ate the people too. No, they never in Snowpiercer. In Snowpiercer, it was yeah, all about like they farms. yeah they get to the car and then they see they look in the processor and it's all like you know cockroach chow or whatever. Yeah, which honestly. But my when we saw that part, my wife and I both turned to each other and was like, "That's not that bad." <laughs> High, highest source of protein per like gram or something yeah. like that. But in the like movie, in the in the I'm movie forgetting. with the dramatic music, and I've seen it a couple of times. That's definitely the only thing about like grossed out about the the, the nutrient bars they'd been eating. I only saw it once because I don't. The funny thing is, you can buy good, cricket but... nutrient bars right now, Whole Foods. <laughs> but yeah. they're not like red Jello. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, they try, they try and make them look. A little more like a protein bar, standard yeah. protein bar. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I didn't like that movie very much. I never saw it. So your train in Astroneer, though, your Snowpiercer train, yeah, how, how long did you get before uh, it can't it, drive it, anymore? It can only go like four cars long. Right. Turns out they did put a cap on it right now. Is it so, a cap but or it just doesn't you could, move? It is a cap. So oh, okay. there's, they literally won't even hook up after a certain oh, point. Okay. But the nice thing is, is that if you're playing like four people, you can all have your individual trains. So you can effectively build you know have like you will have these modules on mm-hmm. your thing you'll have these you'll have these and then we'll just be like a roaming space, space. yeah you Who's can pack caboose? up uh, well <laughs> none of us are the caboose because we all have our own trains we're driving you can put two but seats on a train gotta though. be the last train on the track but the fun the fun part about it though is that there's a little bit of like frontiering to it mm-hmm. in the sense of train since train deformation voxel-based train deformation is a big part of that game you just pick a direction you're driving there like let's explore this planet and see what's there and then you'll get to a chasm and you're mm-hmm. like chasm chasm mm-hmm. and then you're like what the fuck can we do about this but then you're like if you have the right tools you can build like a bridge and then yeah. you're like now we're gonna we're gonna fucking <laughs> figure out we we hit a mountain range well we can go way the fuck around or we can go straight through <laughs> and so we're just working through to get it through the mountain again yeah. find your own goals but i've kind of i'm kind of like getting close to tapping out with that game yeah uh, like you feel like you've done everything the game has to you offer found the fun without starting over again yeah for now at this point yeah like again when it comes to a 1.0 release i've seen i've been looking at some of the youtube videos that they put up that show they're actually very open obviously since it's not like they're published by anyone they mm-hmm. just like put up videos like i don't know here's some shit we're working on at the office i don't even know if it's going to make it in the game like here's like a supercar and it was like a rover that's like four times the size of anything <laughs> they have in the game it's just something we're playing with yeah yeah, yeah. and it's so it's like that's kind of cool seeing yeah. that level of openness um I also tried out the Warframe with James. How was that? What do you think of that? I think it's good, but I think it was a mistake. Playing with James was fun, but I realized in hindsight part of the reason I think I fell off it the next day was it was a bit like the first time I played Diablo 2, and I played it with people in college. Or way too high-leveled. And it, and mm. even though it de-levels you and kind of keeps your level a little bit in sync where it's like... But the thing is, is that... They've they've made like such uh you know they have a movement system in that game that's like slide jump slide jump yeah and it kind of came about as an accident in the same way the tribes one did where yeah like it was an accident but then they leaned into it and made it right because everybody thought it was so cool yes but the problem with that though now is that when you enter most missions if the missions like go here do this thing then kill some guys people don't bother fighting the enemies along the way so I was like all right stop and fight these enemies. and all of a sudden my team's like all way ahead of me because they're all just slide jumping to the objective <laughs> right so they end up skipping a lot of the technically a lot of the mission design to go the guys and only fight the guys they have to because they're just running it for them it's just a it's like a loot run you know it's a grind like boom 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 did this did this i already have done this 20 times maybe fucking 2000 times so i know the exact pathing i did that and i'm like wait for me i guess Uh should i shoot this no i shouldn't shoot this guy okay i'll just keep going yeah and so it was just like so it's like playing through anything co-op 
with someone who's played through it before. Totally, but it, it, by default, the game throws you into co-op when you go into a mission. Mm-hmm. You have to tell it not to, which if you're ever thinking about starting Warframe, I highly recommend you disable playing with other people for like the first like couple of hours. Right, because they'll just dominate the level and you'll just be walking from one into the you're other. You're not going to try out the combat and get used to things, yeah. find out what guns you like, because you're going to hardly do any shooting. Hmm. You know, there's a lot there to learn. Yeah. Um, and that game definitely does no hand-holding to its detriment to where like there's like buttons that they have the, that are like auto equip all these things. It'd kind of be like if destiny two had a button to, well, you know, I guess it does in the sense that like, you know how there's all those mods to your guns and your armor and stuff like that. And they're all yeah. just on in the background by default. Right. 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 Them because, you have to right click on a gun and then like adjust the mods there. Right. But it never and tells you, it you never can tells do that. you that. Right. And yeah. it's also, but by default you have some on. Right. And yeah. so that that's, this game has an auto mod button because it's like, you're going to get a bunch of these after every level. Do you want to fucking figure it out? Uh-huh. You can. Or right. you can just hit the auto mod button. <laughs> right. It'll probably do a decent job. Right. So, like, they, I think they have a lot of really interesting systems in that game, but they know that they have so much that's so overwhelming that they have to, like, have options to auto do it. And to mm. me, that's not necessarily a good thing. Like, mm. when people feel like they have to play your game with a guide, that to me kind of speaks that maybe there's... Maybe there's room for there to be less systems. Like hmm. Marvel Heroes had that problem where there was a lot of systems where instead of it being like, I mean, I guess it's tough because it's like you do offer like the craziest min-maxer players a lot of options of how if they will be the ones who will sit there and dig into it and figure out the way yeah, they like to spend the points. Ownership. Yes. And yeah. those people will. And maybe that's good <clears throat> because those people are your biggest spenders. And so you're providing content to your biggest spenders. Right. But what you're saying is that they don't have enough onboarding for the people that aren't going to do that. Yes. And so and so what ends up happening is for those people, those systems just turn into YouTube. That's how they did it. I'll just do that. Yeah. And it's like so they're not engaging with those systems and stuff yeah. like that. And so, you know, at that point then for the average you know human you have to hope that you're retaining them with your combat and your other things and like those in-game systems i think only appeal to like a small subset but they've obviously been very successful so maybe that small subset is also like their biggest paying customers yeah um i have a hard time believing that just because it is really asking a lot of a lot of people but um well it's uh it's interesting you know like uh I hate talking about James while he's not here, but it relates directly to what James and I were talking about on the uh, the Bart home last week after the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just got on the subject of Destiny Raids again, because, of course, that's been on my mind so much the last several weeks. And uh, he, he made a really interesting point that... Uh, you know, not everything, not every game needs to be designed for everybody. Yeah. And not oh, yeah, every part not. of every game needs to be designed for everybody. If, like, this particular aspect of a game is only appealing to a certain subset of people, there is nothing wrong with that. And, you know, like, we had a really interesting discussion on it, but it sounds to me a bit like the Warframe thing, where it's like, clearly they're very successful doing what they do. Maybe this game doesn't need um, to be designed for people like me and you that want better onboarding without having to dig online. Yeah, I'd just be curious... You know, Not every like, game needs to be designed for everybody. Every game needs to be designed for enough players to keep it alive. But Warframe doesn't seem to have that problem. Right. Well, I mean, no game... There are plenty of games that don't have that problem until they have that problem. Hmm. Or And plenty of games that have that problem until they don't, and then don't have that problem until they do again. Like, right. So it could be that, you know, Warframe has a really dedicated fan base but if that fan base ever starts to fall off there's not a good replacement avenue right and also like the way the behavior of that company makes it sound like they want to attract more players yeah like well everybody wants to attract more players at least you would assume so 
Right. For Especially some, in a, it's like keeping players. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. I think a lot of this, like these complex things, maybe that is like appealing to their biggest spenders. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean? To me, it sounds like they. it would just be nice if like there was a way to play the game without having to rush through it like with other And you people. can. You don't have to. You can just drop in solo and just yeah. play things. And then there will eventually be missions that you're not going to be able to do solo. Yeah. And then you can grow into those. But by then you'll have the competency at those higher levels to do those things. It's also a shame that like a lot of their, like, you know, when I was playing it and people were watching the stream that the people who were really familiar with Warframe were like, oh, yeah, well, there is really cool single player stuff, but I don't know if you'll stick with it long enough because it's about 50 hours in. Right. I was, like, Jesus. I was like 50 hours in story, single player stuff. And it's because wow. they had the base game and then they added that later on for the, uh, for the long-term players. So uh-huh. they added it for those players who were already at that, you know, it'd be kind of right. like if destiny didn't start with a story or a vague story and then added like a real campaign right, way right. late. So they gave it to people that are like light level 300. Right. You know, so it's like, wow. Um, oh, the, um, yeah, that's, that's that would be really strange for me as well because you know like i like in all of my sort of multiplayer co-op experiences i like experiencing the single player stuff as well yeah like right away not having to wait for it yeah me right, too. i want to i want to understand i want to have my footing before i start to do it with other people yeah me too yeah right. and there is like i want my there training. is some story and stuff in the game but I, I like i said i just feel like maybe the on multiplayer by default is not necessarily mm. the best yeah. for that. But well, obviously they've the, probably looked at metrics and shown otherwise. But right. for my, for my <laughs> inter, it made me not come back to it because I felt like I wasn't getting the experience I wanted, which is I wanted yeah. more combat. And yeah. I feel like we didn't, we just skipped a lot of combat. Right, right, Which right. is like, I guess what you do because Loot you're run. trying to get past that early stuff because the good stuff is better on. So the people yeah. in the know just know that, right? Right, right, right. Um, well, it's like when, when we were playing the Destiny campaign and I played a bunch of that with you, right? And uh, I was I was literally going through the campaign with you in there, and I would stop shooting things so you guys could shoot more. <laughs> yeah, like I I was, and when I got to a section, instead of just like racing to the next section, if I was a little bit ahead of you guys, I would wait to catch up. Yeah, and I noticed that like I can't remember who else we were playing with. It might have been Rinder or somebody, one of the other people that's a longtime Destiny player. They were doing the same thing. They would just like uh, nobody was saying this out loud, but it was like. Let the newbie have the let the newbie experience the game, you know. Yeah, it That's was because nice. I was shooting a lot of things probably after, and I'd realize, oh, everyone already left, so I would then catch up, you know. Right, right, yeah, exactly. But it was like, let's stop shooting. I would consciously stop shooting things so you could shoot things, and we would wait for you when you were back there. So, yeah, I think that like, and I remember doing this back in the WoW days. Like, I had a friend I can't even remember who it was who hopped on like later, and like. We were all already like level 85 or whatever it was like during Burning Crusade, you know, and uh, we were we literally like dropped tons of money and like bag space is a big thing, especially in early while like, whoa, I have a 30 slot bag. Oh, my God. I don't even know if they had 30 slot bags back then. But, you know, dropping the large so that they had a more inventory on them uh, just as a convenience factor. And like we dropped all this stuff on them and then we just like we're racing them through the content and like you feel like oh i'm doing a big favor you know like i'm getting them past all the boring shit so they can get to the other stuff and you realize that like you're and it wasn't until much much later that i realized that we had actually were depriving them of a core experience instead of enhancing a core experience yeah it's like the first time you do the 
dungeon against Van Cleef and stuff like that, it's like a really seminal moment because it's like your very first raid and it takes a yeah. while or your very first dungeon. Your very first dungeon, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I agree. And I felt like if I... Uh, James, it was good. It was good because after a while, me and James just turned it down to just be me and James. And after that, it was a little bit like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> after more. that, you were just playing the game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool. But I, I just, yeah, I haven't gone back to it yet just because been kind of falling back to old standbys for the most part and <laughs> there's been siege balance patches which i won't bore anyone with because they really only appeal to the nerds like me and uh and uh there's also been a uh a no man's skies up no man's sky update i played the some next of that. update so yep. did i so uh, i was going to uh yeah <clears throat> but just uh, came out on xbox one yeah so good news it came out on <laughs> xbox one finally <laughs> Which isn't, like, what kept me from playing it, necessarily, because I have a PC, and it's on PC. But, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to play it on Xbox One X, because HDR, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, it's 4K. HDR and Xbox One Yeah, it's One got X? HDR and 4K support oh, on Xbox wow. One. It doesn't have that on PC. Um, it has 4K, but not HDR. So, that's all fine. That would be cool. Uh, there's just one problem, which is that on PS4... Mm-hmm. No Man's Sky is twenty five dollars, give or take. Mm-hmm. Yep, and on Steam it's thirty dollars. I think it's no. It was actually you could find it yesterday for the same price as the PS4 version. And both of those are the original launch editions that got the next update for free. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're around twenty five to thirty dollars. Uh, meanwhile, No Man's Sky Next is the game that I think released on Xbox One, mm-hmm. uh, and that sells for fifty dollars. Oh wow. Uh, there are no sales on No Man's Sky Next on Xbox One. <laughs> it is just No Man's Sky Next for right. $50. Wow. Uh, and that is horseshit. It really is. It is the same fucking game yep. on every one of those systems. Yep. And it's not like there's a cartridge manufacturing premium, <laughs> nor do I think they had to hire an external developer to figure out how to fit their game on Xbox One, a technologically inferior platform. Right, yeah. Uh, it's just 25 to $20 more expensive. That's very just because. strange. That super sucks. Um, which kind of soured me on the idea of it, because I don't yeah. want to play it on my PC, and I wanted to try it on x and i'm just not i guess i'm just not gonna do that um and that's this is not i mean it sucks for microsoft it's really bad it's a really bad look for microsoft yeah it is um but it's not microsoft's fault yeah i was that was gonna be my next question was do do they have any what say do they have over microsoft isn't publishing it microsoft has zero say in what hello games sells their game for really okay um and so, yeah, they just well, decided that they were going to charge a excessive premium on Xbox One and not put us put it on sale. Um, well, you know, that's how you because. get that premium console experience by paying paying premium money for everything. It I'll is a shame. Get a premium console experience with a different game. <laughs> it's I guess. just like it's just like the MacBooks that we just bought for Area Five. Got to get that premium laptop experience. Well, you have a PS4 Pro. In we theory, do. you could do the same thing on a PS4 Pro, right? Uh, yeah, except it doesn't run anywhere near what it runs on Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. Oh, really? I, just we, I feel like we've been over this, like the power differential between those two systems. Oh, is I know. I just wouldn't. I just didn't think that No, no Man's Sky <clears throat> tapped out one or the other in a way that it wouldn't have been. Yeah, comparable. I think that it, it might do 1440 
on PS4 Pro, hmm. which is better than 1080. You could play honestly. it in your Steam with a controller and then still do HDR, right? Uh, no, the H- at least yeah, I couldn't. Really. I, no. At least on the my Steam version, I couldn't find an HDR option. Uh, I thought I would. I guess I just was like, well, if they did it for the one, wouldn't they do it for the other? But I guess not. Yeah. It doesn't work. HDR in Windows, HDR in PC operating systems, honestly, just do not play well together at this particular point in time. Um, Destiny looks great <laughs> in HDR, I'm but sure it's also, it but it's also, yeah, you know, you got that Activision Bungie Blizzard money. And even then, like, I think a lot of people have had difficulty making it function, which is, I'm not shit talking Activision or Bungie for that. I'm just saying that, like, HDR and drivers are difficult. Yeah, they're um, definitely difficult, and there's not a whole lot of support for it. Like, if you turn on, if you go into your Windows settings and you turn on HDR, like, on your desktop, everything in Windows looks super faded, washed, and dried out yeah. because your TV is getting an HDR signal. But the actual desktop UI does not output an HDR signal. So I guess it's tone mapped or something. Something, it, yeah. I I, I didn't um, look enough into it. I just it just looked, doesn't it doesn't look right. It doesn't look it, good. No, it doesn't um, look right. and It doesn't look good. And because the, the OS the the UI OS level itself uh, has no HDR support, quote unquote. But you know, like fortunately, it does work. Where it's like I can have it off on uh, my desktop. But it's on on Destiny, and when I launch Destiny, you know, my TV, you know, does its whole, like, or my monitor does its whole, like, it goes black for about five seconds, and then it comes back and HDR is on. Hmm. So you can go, like... It's a game-level It's a game-level thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And also, like, uh, Xbox One X supports Atmos, which is something oh, else. Oh, right. I don't know if No Man's Sky specifically does, but some games have, mm-hmm. um, like Assassin's Creed Origins supports mm-hmm. Atmos, um, which is positional, like next-gen positional audio. Yeah. Well, it's a shame because so far, I think that next update seems pretty cool. Um, We've yeah. been having fun with it. It's um, buggy. Like, yeah. That game is like, for instance, uh-huh. I started a new save because I was like, I was an hour in my old one. I don't mm. remember anything, so let's just start over. There was a pretty massive bug initially yes but i encountered one that was like i don't know how easy to repro but it was pretty devastating it was like i started up and uh um and when you start up that game it immediately starts you in a situation where you're in trouble like if you stay where you're at in that game you will die because mm-hmm. you're on a planet that will kill you mm-hmm. um and uh all the tutorial things were disabled for me so I didn't know how to do oh, anything. Dear. I didn't know how to like gather the thing that I would then put in my suit uh-huh. to allow me to continue to live. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, this world's trying to fucking kill me, man. And uh, Yes, yes, and, that is accurate. And this guy Morgan I was playing with was like, gather sodium. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? How do I gather, repair your scanner? I was like, how the fuck do I repair my scanner? Uh-huh. Like, I didn't understand anything yeah, yeah, yeah. in that game. And so I ended up dying. And when I died, I responded. And then it was like, Boop, first thing, do this. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, right, but it was just yeah. like. It was like, that's like a pretty bad new user experience bug. So, I mean, that game, I think that game reminds me a lot of like a, you know, like a a, a Obsidian. It's like, it is really cool. It has bugs and you just have to like live with that to see the cool stuff. Because once I did get the tutorials, it did walk me through a lot of the things. I still Mm -hmm. find the UI in that game is kind of crap. And Uh, and the the user experience. the, The PC, the PC UI is crap. Yeah. It's super consoleized to a fucking annoying degree it's like i hit this and then wait oh i have to go through the uh-huh. different options of my thing it just it's, feels like it's really bad it, and like it was really bad when that game first yes, came it out was. if you if you went back and like listened to 
my critique of No Man's Sky back when it came out on PC, I still have the same complaints. Even though they've like done, even though like they've clearly redone some yeah, stuff with some the of it UI, does feel better. it does feel better. But it's still like, all right, in order to in order to like select a thing to charge my backpack, I have to hit X, which brings up like a little menu that I have to then hit Q and E to slide back and forth to the thing I want to recharge. Then I have to hit F to hit the thing I want to recharge. Then I have to hit Q and E to select which element I want to recharge it with. And like all of that is super fat fingers awkward on your WASDA QWE It is, and there's WASDA been times keys. I'm like, how do I, my instinct to back out of the menu is to hit escape. And what right. escape does is brings up the actual like right. options. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. And I close that out. And does it, that pause the game? You know, and it does, and it does, <laughs> it does what I wanted. It does close out the thing, but I'm like, oh, that's clearly not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. There's just a lot of things You're that I feel like. You're supposed to hit tab and Some tab of the UI is right fine. to go back. The UI elements themselves are fine. Yeah. But the user experience of it was is poor in a lot yes. of places to the point where it's like the very first thing when I finally did all the things, repaired my ship, got in my ship, it says press W to take off. Mm-hmm. Or it says W to take off. And I was like, I hit W, nothing happened. No, nothing you happened, got to hold W. Yes, but the thing is, is up until that point, up until that point, every press and hold in that game has always been represented as, By a, the little as circle. a circle that fills. Yeah. And that is the one time yes. there was no indicator on the yes. screen to press and hold. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I've been thinking a lot about UX and I was like, that is like uh-huh. inconsistent right there to yes. the point where I thought my game was broken and I asked Morgan, he's like, no, it's W to take off. And I was yeah. like, the fuck is wrong? And all of a sudden it took off and I was like, oh, <laughs> I just had to hold it down. I was holding down a frustration. The, so it's uh, like, well, and then, and then like there are times in that game where it's like, okay, I'm, I picked up this super valuable item on this high security planet which is great because I'm going to go sell the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. But that instantly triggers the Sentinels. Okay, so now I'm fighting some Sentinels. Oh, I'm out of ammo. There's no, like, quick way to reload my shit. I have to do that whole select item, select, Build you know, stuff. select select type of item, select the item, then figure out how to charge it from the items from there. And, like, by the time I've gone, like, three menu levels deep, navigating back and forth with QE in between every level of menu, like, I'm close to dead, if not dead. Right, so now you have to do the same thing to try and refill your life support. Right. And you're like... It's, it, it's totally awkward, and it may work fine on controller, but God damn it, I've got a mouse. It does work. Good Let with me the use my mouse to the point where I think I bet that, you've got a couple controllers. I think that's why. I, do. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's why Morgan, who I was playing with, uh, he was playing with a controller. He's yeah. like, I, I asked him about keybinds at first. He's like, I don't even know. I was playing a controller. I've mm-hmm. actually because, heard multiple other people talk about how bad the keyboard and mouse experience is with that game. Yeah, it is like, bad. like flying doesn't necessarily feel that great. <clears throat> um, yeah. So it's like that game is something that like. It speaks in volumes to my sensibilities, right? Like, I'm the asshole that today spent time looking up Starship classes and reading about them. <laughs> right. Because I find space... I like Astroneer. I like the yeah. Space Program because I fucking yeah, yeah, think yeah. space is fascinating and exploring is fascinating. This so game this, definitely has that. Exactly. So, and it's like... And I feel like they've delivered on a lot of the things they initially were like, this is what we want the game to be. And now they've it's They've delivered that. more. Yeah. And so it's like, I can act like, you know... Morgan in the first two seconds joined my game, and then I saw him fly while I'm still in the tutorial. Flew yep. a ship to me and landed. Was like, "What's up?" Uh-huh. And I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> okay, this is like legit ass multiplayer." Yeah, we took off, and there's like a really cool moment where the first time you take off from the planet and you land and you go into a fucking space station, you land <laughs> and you talk to aliens and you don't speak their language uh-huh. and you're like trading with them and stuff. I was like, "Yeah, like now I'm with Morgan here. We're having like our own little away team adventure. Like yeah. this feels fucking great." Yeah, you just have to get past the little annoyances that we talked yeah. about that can be very annoying. Like I have no yeah. doubt that like in a week, that'll be a game that I'll just understand the UI and be like, bop, 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 bop. like I just know how to do it, it to, yeah. to a degree, but there to will still degree. be fighting it. Yep. But it's like, 
I think it's a testament to the to the systems of that game that they've made something that makes me willing to put up with that bullshit to to see what the game has I to agree. offer for that. Yeah. You know. And there's there's some really there is some really great quality of life improvements that they've made in next as well. Like uh, one thing that frustrated me is like, I wanted to continue my game, uh, which I did because like I played enough that like I had my capital ship. I had like almost 2 million credits and funds in the bank. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a whole bunch of tech. My, and one thing that you start out with is very limited inventory space. Yes. My exosuit has been upgraded to like 30 inventory slots just in my exosuit. Okay, yeah. And I've so, just upgraded on the very first space station. I found a gun that could give me like way more slots. Right, right. Exactly. And so like I had all upgraded stuff. My ship wasn't very upgraded because I was saving up more money because I had already bought the freighter. Yeah. And the cool thing with this game is like in not this expansion, but the last expansion is you can get this massive freighter that mm-hmm. just... Uh, which uh, you can just summon anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you use your ship to fly to like, you know, three star systems away and you can literally just hit the the key command uh, to summon freighter and you can just place it in space right in front of you. So it's totally a mobile home. It has build sections in it that you can build out like just like you can on a base. Um, you can land on it. All of your friends can land on it. You know, it's... Yeah, and you can power around. And can't you travel in the freighter? I don't believe you can. Oh, okay, okay. We did we did try doing a thing where like I went to another star system and my buddy Chris was in the freighter. He's like, try summoning the freighter. And I summoned it and it just kicked him into space. Okay. <laughs> that's a little that's that's a tiny bit disappointing only because I would love to be in a game where we could like be in our freighter, see another group. I mean also I don't fully understand the multiplayer. It's local only, right? Like I'm playing with my friends. I- yeah, you're only you can only have up to four people playing at a time, and we noticed that one person is the host, and I crashed. I ran into a bug that just totally killed the game. Um, I crashed straight to desktop, and uh, well, but, I'm sure very few people were trying to play it for multiplayer, <laughs> right? But the crazy thing was is that none of the other people noticed because uh, like I would hosts. yeah because they weren't on my ship or anything like that, and I don't know if my ship would have disappeared, but like completely seamless seamlessly switched hosts nobody noticed that's cool i thought i guess some part of me like this is my own misunderstanding of the game but i still thought there was a bit more star citizen to it in the sense that right i'm in my universe but we are like you can find planets that someone else you've never met has discovered yes you can and and have named that's what i don't get we're connecting to a world that is involved by everyone but only four people are in my instance of that universe essentially yeah okay so like the the database the database that populates the names uh the types of planets like when i when somebody when somebody lands on a and quote unquote discovers a planet in the flora and fauna and everything as far as i know that's then set for everybody Mm. so you're all referencing a common database that's probably just you know based off uh servers right Yeah. yeah it's just based off seeds somewhere after a database so everybody in the world who plays no man's sky uh, I don't know if it's cross-platform, but it's definitely, you know, it would at least be like if on single platform, who knows. But everybody who plays No Man's Sky is contributing to this universe database that we all pull from. And uh, But the number of people that's actually Maybe. in our game flying with us that we can interact with directly is only four, including yourself. Um, 
I mean, I'm curious to see what happens if she wa- jumps down there. Oh, it's not. But sorry, you might have heard my dog growling. It wasn't growling at the cat. She's actually growling at sounds she hears outside. Is it sounds or is it the squirrel that's frequently? It's either the squirrel or it's the movement <laughs> of your window catches her eye. Something makes her be like, kill. So, uh, but yeah, it, I, I guess I had thought that game, like when they described like, oh, you can totally like fire on and you find someone, you can just fight them and stuff. And so I was like, oh, is this game like a little bit more like a rust type thing with more players? But I guess I guess in theory, if you just joined a random person's game. Mm hmm you could have like an adversarial sort of contact. I would like to see that expanded upon a little bit just because four people is cool, but it's not like it doesn't, you know, I I almost wish that it it feels like it has the potential if they could make it work to be like a sea of thieves in space. My, my, my only guess is that since they, you know, dedicated servers are ridiculously stupid expensive. And my guess is that like, even though they've had a successful sales of that game for sure, that you know they probably don't want to burn through all of their runway and all of their capital funding dedicated servers totally so my guess is that the four player limit is because it's peer-to-peer yeah i mean it's cool i i still i still really like i'll say like again to, despite all the bullshit like i am looking forward to tonight going home mm-hmm. trying this out seeing what it's all about like yeah. you know because i've only gotten to the first space station which is literally so, nothing well uh, so there were four of us that basically like i started the game and everybody hopped into my game and uh it was funny because uh jeff grubb started a new game and uh he his game started with that whole situation where you're on a planet only he started on the planet that we were all kind of like around and on, which was like this horrible, toxic fire rain planet. <laughs> That's how mine was. Yeah, it was toxic yeah. rain. And I was like in a toxic storm. And I was like, yep. what the fuck's going on? I'm dying. And, and so the your starting planet is apparently totally random. And you might just end up on... <laughs> Chef, come here. <laughs> you might just end up on a terrible planet when you start out. So we were all... So we were all like waiting for Jeff to get through his tutorial on Terrible Toxic Planet. And then we all were bouncing around in star systems trying to find a good planet to establish our group base on. You know, we wanted something that didn't have lots of super terrible, uh, you know, weather events that made it impossible to be outside your ship for 30 seconds or anything like that. Because one of the bummers is that they've changed the way they've changed almost all the tech in that game. So all of the mods that I had on my gun, all uh, the mods that I had on my space shoot, all like the mods kind of undone. Yeah. They basically turn into these technology things. They're just like, there's a name for them and I think you can sell them or they also become a crafting material, but like all this stuff that I had built up over the last game that I played is now all gone. So we're kind of all starting so from scratch. So any, if you toxic- rebuild the stuff that the stuff was in, it'll be there. Rebuild the stuff like, that the did stuff. Did you have was it in. stored in ships? Did you have like your your gear stored in things that you had constructed in the last game that you played? Yeah. So I was reading somebody talk about it and that all their stuff was also gone, but once they rebuilt the things that had originally been storing their gear, that the gear was still in those things. It's not that it's not that uh, it's not that the gear wasn't there, it's that the gear had turned into a different thing. Like they had removed, they had removed different kinds of mods from the game Mm -hmm. and those mods in your gun or in your suit or in your ship now become a technology resource. Hmm. And that technology resource can be sold for credits or I think it can actually be used in some recipes. I'm not hundred percent certain about that, 
but we were just trying to find a nice planet to settle on and we were all bouncing around to different star systems my ship has a super advanced drive so i was able to jump to we found out the hard way that i was able to jump to star systems that nobody else could get to Uh. um so we all had to like just try to find star systems that somewhere one of these systems one of these planets one of these moons somewhere has got to be close enough to a Goldilocks environment that we can actually have a reasonable chance at building a base. It's interesting that like that's what the game's become in a way because originally the game was get to the center of the universe, right? And, yeah, and it still and has all that. Totally. But now they've like one of the things that I think is smart design is especially in a living product like this, like mm-hmm. you put the game out, you're like, this is what the game's about. And then customers are like, Yeah, but we kinda wanna do this other thing, and you're like that's what the game's about. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's the right way to, to do it. If you're trying to yep. like keep something going for the long term. Yep. I mean, and it's not like they got rid of the, go to the center of the universe. It's just that no. it's not like, you know, it's not the thing that you have to do. If you want to be the base building guy, they're like, okay, just be the base building person yeah. and lean into that as much as you fucking want. Yeah. Like, and on the, another thing that was really fun that they expanded on was the space stations and stuff now have a lot more aliens on them. And they have a whole slate of stores instead of just like one little pod thing that you go up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's like, and the the layouts are just a lot cooler. They look a lot more like active space stations. Yeah. Where you dock. I can't speak about the old one, but the the first one I went to, I was like, yeah, there's like 30 guys all standing around here. I went up and talked to two and they were in the middle of the conversation. And that Mm -hmm. provides just enough like, you know, dialogue to make you feel like, all right, like I'm almost getting like a choose your own adventure little thing right here with these little encounters. Yeah. And like, it's worth, it's worth going up and talking to any of the aliens that you see because they may be like, uh, this alien, uh, looks at your gun and looks extremely frightened. And then your option, you only have two options, like put your gun away or show him your gun or what. And like, you rarely have no idea what you're going to get out of it. But so you do one of those things and sometimes the alien might be like, this is really interesting here. I'll like, give you a technology blueprint. Mm-hmm. And other times there, and other times it'll just be like, they shy away from you. This conversation is over. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That game's, it just, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's had its own unfortunate times and stuff, but I think it's really coming to its own, which is cool to see. Yeah. It's I cool like to it see a that a game is having such a positive reception, both with the press and with its players. After yes. so long, yeah. I think we're in a new in a renewed honeymoon phase for that game. I, I oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but I also think that there's people that are like pointing things out, as you just have that like it's still weird. Yeah, and that like they hello is a very narrow window to yeah. fix some of the most egregious problems with the new version of that game before like the goodwill vanishes and people go straight back to the what the fuck is going on and i to, think like to some extent although i think the gameplay is so much more substantial now that i i still don't i don't think that it's enough and i think like the quintessential example of like that honeymoon phase only lasting so long is destiny like or destiny 2 specifically mm-hmm. that like people were like oh my god destiny 2 is just so much better at everything than destiny 1 was when it came out and that changed very quickly um and that's not to say that like no man's sky is in that situation because maybe it's not, but it, it could fall into that trap if it doesn't get its shit together quickly. Like the well, window me, to the, fix those things is very small. Yeah. And for me, the biggest thing that it needs to fix right now is it actually, it generally has stability problems. Like the, the game, uh, 100% every single time I quit the game, it crashes, it yeah. crashes on quit. 
and then I can't relaunch the relaunch the game unless I relaunch Steam, and sometimes even that doesn't work. And I've gone. That's the task a really ma- weird problem. Yeah, and I've gone into the task manager to be like, oh, maybe there's a process still running, but there's no processes that I can kill, or at least none that have obvious names or obvious icons, and I end up having to restart in order to launch the game again. So bugs like that are really fucking critical. And and too common with games these days, I'll say. I I, <laughs> I have that all the time. Like, any mm-hmm. game that has a easy anti-cheat, mm-hmm. I almost always, if I haven't restarted my computer, cannot launch until I restart my computer. Wow. I wonder if that's mm-hmm. a conflict with something else that's running on your system. It must be, and I've never figured out what it is, but the second I restart my computer, easy anti-cheat games run flawlessly. Wow. But yeah. without until fail. the next time. Yes, until the, <laughs> until the next time I've left it on for, like, two days, and then it's like, easy anti-cheat doesn't like this. Yeah. So, I don't... I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious to like check out in games as they update and stuff. I saw like, I'm, and I'm always curious when I see something like Kerbal Space Program went from like overwhelmingly positive to like mostly negative. Mm-hmm. And I just like, uh, Why I, did it, was it because of bugs? No, it was because it along with several other games had that red shell software installed on it. Oh. That like tracked all your ad, like the advertisements you yep. looked at and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. And so even though they said like the information isn't sold and stuff like that, people were like, why would you gather this if you don't need to sell right. it? Right. And not only that, yeah. but why are you gathering it when I'm not actually playing the game? Like, it doesn't even matter. You're just gathering info on yep. me outside of the game. Yep. And yep. so, uh, you know, a lot of these other games have removed it. I think they removed it from Kerbal as well, but then they added a new EULA in there that says they have the right to gather, like, your name, phone number, address, all these things. And yep. people are still like, no, like, I'm just <laughs> not going to play your game if you think that, like, because I play your game, you can gather my personal information. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's extremely fucked up. Yeah, I just thought that was curious because I just, you know, I don't even know how people become aware of those things, you know? I feel like what happened is someone discovered it in one game, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of people started being like, well, I'm going to look at all my fucking games and yeah. see which sure it is, and they figured out that it was like, there was a bunch of games that had it, uh, Yeah, like, I think Paladins or something, like a bunch of mm-hmm. games, including games that were wholly single-player, like Civilization or something had it as well, and it was just like... Yeah, well, because I'm sure that, you know, like, red shell goes to a developer and says hey we'll give you a certain amount of the revenue that we make off selling this data if you'll just put this little add-on into your game yeah but that's just a little side just because i troll the steam store to see updates and games and stuff like that all the time um i don't know arthur did you you check out anything um besides i I thought about doing no man's sky i played some dota and i can talk a little bit about that abstractly but like I, I feel like I'm just in the moment where it's hard to think of something that I want to play. That's how I feel a lot of times. Yeah. Like th- I feel like this specific moment, we are in a specific moment where like we're I'm really between things that are catching my attention, and also like I don't want to have to expend effort to try to find something to get into. I have I have um, almost the opposite problem where there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want to play that all demands too much of my time. I, I think there's also that. And so like, which makes it difficult to actually sit down and play something. I have to figure out if there's like something there that I like, but I just... Like, I think I just want to play comfort games, like yeah. stuff that I know. And, and to a degree, Red Faction is that. But sure, I haven't sure. gotten back into it. Although it does, I did get to the point where it starts to pick up. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is after you find like the old EDF base or whatever. Oh, that's right. Um, but uh, like today, I got the apparently stupid idea of wanting to play Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> um, because I had, I had restarted Fallout New Vegas last year, and I only um, ever got to the 
to New Vegas and then stopped shortly after. You, yeah, well, because you'd killed so many NPCs, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think it was also that I, unlike you, when New Vegas came out, you had had like a good enough gap between Fallout Four that you, or Fallout Three that you were like, oh shit, sweet, more Fallout. And me, I, I had like just crushed. Yes, because uh. yeah, I had watched Arthur play a bunch of Three, and when I used to watch him, I'd be like. It's kind of fascinating to watch, but I don't fucking get it. And yeah. for some reason, I borrowed Arthur's game at one point and was like, I get it. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so I was, I was playing through it last fall, and then the Xbox yeah. One X came out, and that was, that was great. But like, that's when they had the patch for Fallout 3 that jumps it up to 4K, and everything looks fucking incredible. And right. so ah. I stopped like telling myself, I'm, I want desperately for them to introduce a patch to make this like work in 4k the way the fallout three does. Mm -hmm. And I think that there still might be a possibility that they do it like in advance of fallout 76 or whatever. Hmm. Um, but I don't know if they fall 76 soon. October. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Fairly soon, like two and a half months. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a beta 30 days in advance, which to me doesn't strike me as a beta. That's right. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, Here's the problem that I have with playing Fallout New Vegas, aside from the fact that it has not gotten an update to make it run in 4K, which is a first <laughs> world-ass problem. Uh, I had a digital version of Fallout New Vegas, and last year when I decided I wanted to play it, I was like, well, I never actually played any of the DLC, and they released a lot of story-based DLC for New uh, Vegas. Yeah, they did. Uh-huh. Um, and, going. and digitally buying all the DLC for Fallout New Vegas is fucking expensive. Yes, it is. Wow. It's like forty or they fifty bucks. They basically have not really? that much. Yeah, like Jesus. not on the not on the live marketplace. They haven't. Right. Um, but on Amazon, they had Game a no. It was like a new version of it that's like repackaged for Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Like the package is Xbox One packaging. Oh, huh. Um, and it's got all the game on one disc and all the DLC on another. And so I bought that thinking, oh, it's probably just a code for the DLC, but it's not. It's a separate disc that you install the shit on. <laughs> but if you put the disc in your Xbox One, doesn't it just download it all anyways? Um, I think so, but it also... Still requires the disc in? Yeah, because that's the license. Yeah. If you don't buy a game digitally, like, a disc functions as the license on I Xbox gotcha. One. <laughs> which is, it's good that it works that way, because that means if someone installs a game off a disc on your system and leave with the disc, if you want to buy it, you can just buy it and not have to re-download it. Uh, right. Um, or, like, if you theoretically didn't want to download a whole game, you can go to Redbox and rent it and install it on your system and then just return it and buy the game digitally. I see, um, yeah. So there's a lot of flexibility with their license systems. But I own it digitally, and I have that version, and so, like... Installing it is a pain in the ass because you have to put in disk two first and it installs from that or something like that. And then <coughs> you're supposed to play from disk one and you're supposed to play it off the disk to get access to the DLC, but I have it digitally. And so when by default I select it from my dashboard, it's, mm-hmm. pl- it's playing the digital version, hmm. which doesn't have all the DLC attached and mm-hmm. it gets confused. Oh, okay. And... And somehow, like, my stuff got moved or uninstalled or reinstalled or something. I don't know. Basically, like, I spent two hours trying to get the (laughs) DLC installed to where I wouldn't just, like, have a naked character. Because I had DLC items or, like, missions that vanished from my queue. Right, yep. And I just could not get it fucking... Oh, what a pain in the ass. 
Um, and so, maybe, were you thinking about downloading a version of it, or no? I mean, I, like I, I can't download a version of it unless I pay fifty fucking dollars right. for all the DLC, and I'm right. not going to do that. No. I refuse. No, <laughs> I refuse to Could buy you play that it game on your again. PC with a controller. <laughs> I don't want to. There's not even 4K HDR. No, but there's like one of the the ways that Fallout games have always been sort of like track trackable for me is by like achievements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that there are Steam achievements for that game. And also the PC You don't have version. all the achievements anyways, though? No. I guess there you are the so DLC. many weird achievements in that game. <laughs> that is the most sort of like split achievements of any Fallout game, even arguably more than four. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like Microsoft is working on this sort of like future of library management that's supposed to be very seamless, and they do better than I think anybody else so far. But like, this is just an example of a way that where it's easy to fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, where, because I have the digital version and I have this not digital version, I think that it's making my life more difficult. Yeah. And the only solution is to spend way more on the digital version to fix the problem. And that fucking sucks. It's bullshit. I yeah. should not have to like rebuy that fucking game. Yeah. Um, and it pisses me off. Yeah. And it's just like, it feels like an extension of being pissed off about the fucking No Man's Sky thing <laughs> where they want me to spend $50, $50 yeah. to play their two-year-old game that was fucking broken for a year <laughs> on Xbox just because they decided to sign an exclusivity agreement with Mike, with Sony instead of Microsoft after Microsoft saved their fucking company after their whole headquarters flooded is that what happened? Yeah, in 2013, like right after they debuted No Man's Sky at the VGAs, there was yeah. a flood. Whoa. And all of their computers were destroyed. Holy shit, I didn't know that. And like people like were asking Phil Spencer what he thought about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Phil Spencer, as far as I know, like Microsoft contributed money and computers to Hello to get them back up on their feet. Oh, wow. Which Hello promptly thanked Microsoft for by fa- signing an exclusivity deal with Sony. It's like they asked for it. Uh, <clears throat> um, like I said, there's a book that could be written about that game's release. <laughs> anyway, um, so it just there are gaps in how Microsoft can handle this stuff, and I think that it's going to take work to fix it. And I yeah. don't know if there's a good way to do it. And some of this would be obviated if Bethesda weren't crazy greedy and charging fifty dollars for a bunch of DLC. Um, <laughs> that is I, crazy. I'm pretty for, sure for for a game as old as Fallout New Vegas for sure. That's that's what I've heard about a lot of these games. Like even you know GTA and stuff. People are like, oh GTA. I saw GTA for ten dollars at you know Best Buy and stuff now, and it's like mm-hmm. yes, but the DLC is still like the full price. And so this they, is so that, weird. So they're hoping to get you with the cheap disc at this uh-huh. point and just bring you into the DLC. Wow. Like, and this is the other side effect of like libraries that live in perpetuity and uh-huh. the possibility of that on Xbox platform. Oh yeah. <coughs> One of the reasons BC is good for publishers is because it's back catalog stuff. It exists as marketing mm-hmm. for new stuff and that makes it valuable still. And one of the reasons stuff goes on sale is because it stops being as valuable. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. If they can just keep selling DLC for that shit, like if like they can give away fallout new Vegas on games pass and then sell you all the DLC, then Mm. they have no reason to make it cheaper. Right. Right. I guess I never Um, thought of that as a business model. I mean, it's it's kind of what uh, telltale's done for a long time. Right. (coughs) Telltale often put like within like after the debut of a new series, like, when episode two comes out, they'll often be like, episode one's now free 
Yep. And then you can mm. buy two. You can buy the rest of the it's season the after you hit. try. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, and it's also like EA Access is predicated on that entire thing. That like, yeah, a lot of EA games don't ship with microtransactions, or they didn't until recently. Right, mm. like Plants vs um, Zombie <clears throat> to added more of that as they went on. Plants vs Zombie shipped with no microtransactions, and they made it and and they added it to EA Access, which gave that game a second life. But at the same time, yes, now they have like <laughs> a shitload get, of get coins, and you can uh-huh. you can buy all that shit, um, right? So which I have, yeah, <laughs> of course, why not? Um, well, you gave me the game for free, so at some point after yeah. me and my wife had put in a hundred hours, I was like. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we should pay something to the you. Uh it's good to support the games you like. Yep. I sold yep. for Dota. I I'll tell I'll talk about that in a minute. But <clears throat> it's something that I think Microsoft needs to deal with, and it's like part of like a patchwork of holes that I think Microsoft needs to fill before I think people will really believe what they're saying or sort of understand the plan that it seems like they're insinuating, which is like a consistent, persistent library of games that follows you through the entire life of their platform. Yeah. And we, we've just repeatedly seen nobody do that. Nope. Like we were just presented with an example of a company not doing that in the sort of evisceration and discontinuation of the, we use online marketplace. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Nintendo wants <clears throat> to resell you the same stuff. At over first and over the and over DS again. seemed like it was going to be that, right? Cause you're like, I can play all my GBA games and then right. it has a slot. And then eventually then, they took nope. that off. And now like, yep. oh, like, I don't think, can you buy the DS digital stuff still? Uh, I don't even know. Maybe I on, a, I don't know that you can. Yeah. Maybe on a 3DS store. Um, I don't know. So I think that, and Sony has not demonstrated like a willingness to do that either because there were a lot of digital PS3 purchases that do not mean shit now. Yeah. And who knows when PSN for PS3 will just be disabled completely. Right. (coughs) Hi, cat. (laughs) So, um, so Microsoft, I think is doing better than anybody in that, like literally no one else. Can you say a platform that launched, 17 years ago has digital purchases that function natively on their newest hardware. Right. Um, not even well, PC, and, honestly. Well, I was going to say like not even, you know, it's not always native, but the Xbox one X has enough overhead related to those old games that they can, that they can put like a machine layer in between you and the game that makes it feel like a native experience. Right. There's an emulation layer, but there's, there's a hardware aspect to it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is one of the reasons that it can do it. But yeah, but anyway, like nobody else is really doing that. Like where a ten-year-old, like a, a game that I bought in two thousand four, is suddenly just on my system, just like appears on my system. Yep. Right. Um, but simultaneously, there's shit like this Fallout New Vegas thing that I don't think that they that they know what to do with. It's like a hole that you can fall through, and that's a problem. Yeah. Well, um, we're sort of in like a weird crossover time for them right now, too, based off you know physical sales versus digital sales and drive space and all that kind of stuff like uh it's just going to get easier and cheaper as time goes on but the physical space the physical brick and mortar and disc sales still matter a whole hell of a lot yeah and i think that gamestop needs to really figure out how to how to get ahead of that in a way that doesn't perpetuate physical media Mm. so much i think that i mean i have ideas for what gamestop could do yeah um but you know who knows they don't it's it's more expensive than doing the nothing that they're doing right now. (laughs) So there's that. And also just like, just thinking back, like I was thinking about it this week for a variety of reasons, but there's like a lot of 
promises that Microsoft made over time about digital libraries and stuff like that that just never came to fruition or that they just like flat out abandoned. Like Games for yeah. Windows Live being the biggest one. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> like if a game that came out as Games for Windows Live is functional now, it's because the developer has removed that shit like a tumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really surprised, mm-hmm. like I said, when I booted up RE5 and it had some things that asked me to sign into it and it, like, kind of half worked and I yeah. was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? It's like, how, how... If you want people to take you seriously, and they very clearly do, and I think that their heart seems to be in the right place, like, I think that Microsoft needs to fix that shit. Like, they need to make it right. Yeah. And they haven't, and I think that until they completely fix the holes in their strategy, I think that it's going to be hard for people to believe well, they've, what they're selling. Well, they've decided that they're going to they're, they're going to place uh, their layer in between you and and their games, and so that means that that layer needs to be perpetually maintained and never go out of style, because you know for really old stuff you have things like you know. Uh, good old games, you know, and uh, good old games uh, made it easy to run old DOS games on, you know, on a modern PC. They like basically did all the work that you used to have to do yourself by like getting DOS box and like configuring your own virtual batch files and all kinds of garbage. And like good old games now just called GOG.com because they sell all kinds of games, not just old stuff anymore, came on the scene and sort of solved that problem for you. Um, it was almost like you had your buddy who was super into this process, came over to your house, set everything up so that you could play it and then, you know, charged you 15 bucks or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, with, uh, Steam will release updates to games and Valve will release updates to their own games that basically make it work on modern hardware. And the Microsoft, since they've decided that like, you know, their live service and their Xbox service is going to be between the gamer and their games on both Xbox and windows. Um, I, this has got to be a really awkward period, uh, as they try to like make old stuff work and make sure that new stuff is going to have the legs to adjust to whatever's going to come down the pike on both the console and the PC. So I wonder how many more of these kinds of edge cases like yours exist, but we just don't really hear about them. Yeah, and I think that it could be a lot, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, people, and there's just like not a lot of people who run into those things. Yeah. Um, because very few people are mentally ill <laughs> in the way that I am. And like... <laughs> Well, not know, a lot. Not a lot. Like a totally reasonable thing, I would go and. I like, have three fucking versions of Fallout New Vegas <laughs> on Xbox. But, I have the original but, but, disc that launched. Totally, but uh-huh. when you describe the way to get the best DLC, like I probably would have done that too. Yeah, like, that just sounds like the smart play. But you, yeah. you would have owned the disc, which I do, like the original disc, the yeah. one that came out in 2010, yes, the one that still would, has the, the orange "Do Not and, Sell Until" sticker inside right, of it. And then I would, and then I would not. <laughs> Buy it digitally buy it for digitally. the convenience. I have done that with Viva Pinata. Uh-huh. That is the only game I own three times. <clears throat> right. So um, I think I own Viva Pinata. I own it digitally twice because of the rare collection and the three actual times. copy. Yeah, yeah. I own and the digital I version one. twice and a physical version yeah, me too. <laughs> once because I got the cool like fucked up <laughs> packaging. <laughs> the only the only game I own twice is Destiny Two. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I own other games. To, yeah. I own other game, multiple copies of other games, but That's never for, sure. for the same system. Ah, uh, right. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah, so I think that Microsoft has stuff that they still have to do, and I and I think that maybe part of them wants to do it. It's just hard. Yeah. Um. But anyway. Uh. So I did not play Fallout. <laughs> but you did play the notes. I did play Dota. Uh-huh. Um, I'm playing something else, but it's for a work thing, and I can't talk about it. Uh, well, so what did the... So last week, it sounded like you were having a really shitty Dota day. I was having an extremely shitty Dota week. Yeah. And in some ways, that... Has that continued? Yes and no. Like, mm-hmm. it seems to have stabilized, but I would like it to get better as opposed to stabilizing. <laughs> and it might... Is any um, of this a byproduct of people trying to fill out their grimoires by doing the quests? Uh, not so much now, because that stuff came out months ago. Yeah. And the people who were really fixated on doing it did it. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> I think it's just people being shitty. Like it's, It happens. And I'm like, I've watched... There are some pro players whose stuff I watch, and like they've definitely like had these weird, really fucking intense losing streaks as well. So it's not like I'm hmm. alone in that playing uh, with randos or yeah yeah um solo queuing hi good weird um <clears throat> so anyway but i played with friends and that helps like that always helps because at least then you know who to blame um <laughs> if something goes wrong <laughs> uh but yeah i in that respect dota is is good and i like there's sort of like this building anticipation for ti because ti is almost here yeah yep. um and this weekend is like the last pre-ti event which is uh, the summit, which right. is beyond the summit is an esports organization, uh, and every year or sometimes multiple times a year, actually I think like two or three times a year they rent a big house. <clears throat> no, they own a house. The summit house is a house that the, or that they rent like all the time. Oh, um, and they invite fancy. players <laughs> to stay at the summit house and uh, and basically just have like a little summer camp for dotes. Yeah. Um, Man, esports is a uh, it's a real fucking business. Like yeah, we, I mean, this have... is like one of the few things where it doesn't feel like a, oh god, it's on in the background and something bad just happened to someone. <laughs> uh, refresher black holes, friends. Um, anyway, uh, this is this is this is it's a land party basically. It's like a five day. Yeah, land party. you look yeah. at like, it and it looks very well produced in a lot of ways, but. Then it's just dudes they, sitting it's around extremely in casual. basketball shorts. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're all like like all five people crammed into one little room around a bunch of tables. It you seems know? like yeah, what me and yeah. my friends might have done exactly. in high school to have a tournament. Yeah, you know? yeah. especially like with <clears throat> Airbnb these days, you'd be like, oh, let's go rent a twelve person house and have a land party. Except the difference you know? is that these are the teams who are like the best teams in the world, right? Some of them, <laughs> some of them. Some of them well, they're TI teams, though. Not I mean, all of them. Okay. Oh, no, all of them? I think oh. there are a couple of non-TI teams. Yeah. They, it's less uh, attended than previously because uh, there were visa issues with some some teams. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like it's just yeah. hard to do stuff last minute. Yeah, um, the visa issues is just going to keep getting worse. I've been watching yeah. a, the Battlegrounds uh, tournament that's going on. It's the first, like official battlegrounds tournament since like last year when they had one in germany but this oh it's like, not like that you mean that isn't like a dream hack or something yeah so this is their tournament yeah and it's actually pretty interesting how much better produced it is but mm-hmm. also there was good interviews with like brendan green going around where he's like it is absolutely not esports ready like the game is not esports ready we are doing this mm-hmm. tournament that's why it's an invitational and it's like for charity mm-hmm. but it's like the game is not ready he's like yeah. there's still bad it was just interesting to hear them acknowledge all the stuff that people have been talking about yeah and why they don't do tournaments and stuff like that because it is not there yet right and right like, and yet you know like 
we went down to shoot at DreamHack in Austin for two clients at the same time, actually. And one of the things that I was doing is I was shooting a profile for uh, uh, a for a Tempo Storm Pro PUBG player, and uh, the PUBG booth at DreamHack Austin yeah, was ridiculous. It was by far the biggest booth in the whole thing. Sure, and it had like the the biggest everything centered around it yeah i mean it's still really fun to watch these games and stuff like that it is with all the problems it still has you yeah know, it's like <laughs> and they're also playing like i don't they're not connecting over the internet i don't think no no um, they definitely are not but no, yeah. they're they're all literally playing each other right in this but giant where i was booth. going with this was is one of the things i was watching today was i was watching this tournament mm-hmm. being cast but being streamed by one of the guys that used to be a former professional player now, it's oh, okay. weird to say that that game's only been out for how long and he's a former professional player. <laughs> right. But I was wondering... Esports moves fast. Does this, yeah. well, does this ever happen in Dota? Like, the reason he stopped is because he had to do a lot of offline scrims and stuff like that, and he was making more money streaming. So he, so he just Not went to that streaming. That happens in so almost every esport uh, for Dota. Okay. In China, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, there are definitely players that, like, just stopped playing on teams and just streamed all the time because yep. they make so much more money. Yeah, he was like, uh, you yeah. know, for TSM, just TSM as a professional player, he had to, like I said, he had a lot of stuff he couldn't stream because it was mm-hmm. scrims and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then t- taking time to travel and stuff, and he was like, as soon as he went to just streaming. It's weird, though. TSM, I don't know if other Dota teams, I don't know if other esports teams you've ever seen this, but I've noticed that TSM in particular, they now have started like they have like 12 battlegrounds players that are sponsored by them yeah but only five are professional only yes. five are tournament players yeah. the other seven are like, just on the sponsored screen right now, streamers <clears throat> right dude and, in the yellow shirt is like an evil geniuses streamer but he's okay. not a pro player yeah he doesn't and he's not like he can sub in or anything like that. he's just eg right. as as like he streams for them yeah he's okay. branded okay yeah, yeah. And, and they and they yeah the uh and, you know, these teams, like, uh, we shot it, um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say whose team it was, but don't, they, don't. they were in, they were in Southern California and they, uh, they had like, they have a whole like office building section with different rooms for different games for, di- and like, they have people there that are totally just streamers. They have a chef who comes in and makes a full like three course lunch for everybody every single day. Cause they're trying to attract players and streamers to come to their place mm-hmm. uh even if they're uh like they're trying to attract like more streamers to come to them and uh players pro players to come and boot camp like at their office and stuff like that and like do recruitment as well as just like get their name out there it's like uh, it's it's uh, like these streamers are all part of their marketing budget for their team, practically. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's how they earmark it, but I'm just saying that's that seems to be how they're treating it. Well, it's like these TSM guys. It's like there's the five guys who now make up the core team, mm-hmm. but they still get this. They still like play during their streams and stuff with the guys that are not pro. Like right. they are, they are, they could equally, they could be on that team. They're no very problem, good, but obviously. they just are just playing for fun. Yeah, but they're still sponsored. I just thought yeah. that was weird. That was like. You know, you go to their thing and it's like, yeah, you're TSM. You can buy jerseys for them, but they don't play. Right? They, they just they just play online like you for fun, <laughs> right? But they're TSM. You know, I just right. I just I, that's a curious trend to me. My like, my guess is that you know they do the athlete treatment just for like any other team would do for their bench. You know, where it's like uh, they can make a lot of they make money off of their stream in exchange for promoting them and providing services. Yeah, you know? I guess it was just weird to me because I was like, only in this world, like you know, it's not yeah. like you see like you don't see a football player getting played to like go and play on his 
on his like local soccer field, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But be like, yeah. yeah, I'm still a 49 No, but there are like in baseball, there are farm teams. That's true. And those people don't make shit for money. Yeah. Yeah. But there's got to be some kind of like revenue share deal going oh, on. Oh, obviously, with those because they, like they, still, amateur basketball they still run like, ads. Yeah. They still run the TSM ads yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like it has to work out for both parties. I just thought yeah. that was an interesting thing that the, I always assumed that if you wore the jersey or you wore the branding, you were playing pro for that team. And that's not the case anymore. <laughs> right, it's right, right. Like, yeah, you might just be a supporting cast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, interesting to find out that that's true in Dota as well. I assumed as yeah. much, but... Yeah. I just wasn't. I mean, sure. I'm sure that league is the same way. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just have no. Clue. Is uh is anybody in your in your dotes group talking about the card game or looking forward what to it? Card or, game? <laughs> do they? Do any of them give a shit? I mean, we're all interested in artifact. Yeah, for sure. I I'm interested in artifact at least to find out what the hooks <clears throat> they do go between Dota and artifact. There was, I mean. I am positive the people I know are playing that game. I don't know who, but I'm positive right. that they're, they're because there are ba- there are people with the beta out there. And one of the reasons that I know this and why everyone can know this is that like a player in Thailand or something like completely violated his NDA and started answering a bunch of questions about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and there are, of course that like, happened. There are new characters in the cards that they talked about. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Like new characters that are I think in that Dota too? There were, yeah. Wow. And then the, well, the, I'm interested kind of for the same reason Anthony is, is that like, I want to see, cause Valve is so good about things like the grimoire or whatever, about stuff that you do in Dota tying to a sort of meta accomplishment. I'm wondering about like, you know, maybe there's things that you do in Dota that get you card packs for artifact. Um, that would be nice. I have my suspicions that that won't be the case. And mm-hmm. I say this not knowing. Like right, of course. No one has told me shit about artifacts. Right. <laughs> uh, I think that there's... That the way it's being made, they have to decide whether or not they want it to be free to play or not. Right. And I think that there's a good chance that like they could sell card packs. Yeah. And the more ways they make to get card packs for free, the less reasons there are for people to buy them. Right, right. Um, well, so. you don't play CCGs, do you? I have in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I would probably give this one a try. It's never... I don't think I've ever, I've ever really committed to learning them. Mm. I think at this point, she probably won't Oh, yeah, anything. no, it's fine. I've only ever played one CCG, and it was the PVZ one. Like, I thought it was actually really good. Oh, yeah, cool. and I mean, I like, <laughs> the pedigree on Artifact is really, really good. Yeah. Um, yes. Like, I mean, it seems like it's, it's, it all signs point to the fact that it should be really good. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, there's a lot of pessimism in the community that it will be out anytime soon. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought it would be out already. but like, I didn't think know. it would be out yet. I thought that we would get a beta. At, I guess I just TI. didn't think Valve mm-hmm. would even have announced it when they did if it wasn't like on the precipice of release. I just like TI is like such a perfect place for it to be in beta because like then everybody in the fucking audience can play that game with each other. Yeah, I guess I thought it would just yeah, have released and then at TI they would have been like fucking stand here during this match and you get a pack, you know. Like, <laughs> right. No, they would associate <laughs> it with barcodes on the uh, passes. They already have like a system doing that where you mm-hmm. win treasures. Right. Right. Yeah, right, right. That's treasures and that, cosmetics. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. You might go to, you might go to TI and have your TI trip paid for. <laughs> if, you are, if you are checked in, like, so when you get a TI, for people listening at home, when you get a TI badge, <clears throat> it gets associated with your steam ID. And when you enter the arena where TI is happening, they scan your badge in and out. Hmm. So when you walk in, it scans, and when you leave, it scans. So they know when you're in the arena. Yeah. Um, 
or when someone has scanned your badge. <laughs> How much is TI? Right. <laughs> a ticket? I think a few hundred bucks. Oh, total. okay. Because like, it's split it's... into like 200 for midweek and 100 for finals. All right, so like it's that. not yeah. worth buying a bunch of TI badges and scanning them and hoping for the treasures to sell. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Sure, uh, it's a lot because of some people will like some people will go and buy a bunch of merch and sell that on eBay for a ton of money. Yeah, um, do they anyway. do exclusive merch to the TI things? Yes. Oh, well, of course. Okay. Um, and there's and <laughs> the merch yeah. is our loot boxes, like they're blind boxes. Uh, oh wow! With degrees of rarity, like last Jesus. year I got like all the rare loot box stuff. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't just go up and be like, "Give me that X thing." io was uh ultra rare no, no no but you can't can you do that is there like still there is like still no. stuffed animals i can just walk up and buy i want the. they're all blind boxes wow and, you, and these fucking peasants go up and buy so that and then they have that, the audacity like, to go on a forum and complain about loot boxes i don't see dota players complain about loot boxes i see dota players saying i spend too much on loot boxes but i don't right. see any of them real say life. i wish there weren't loot boxes i guess it's like a real life big capsule toy basically kind of yeah uh, yeah so anyway, so when you go to TI uh, and you check yourself in, it knows that you're there. And so while mm-hmm. you're there, for certain things that happen in game, like it will award a random selection of people things when things happen. Oh, I see. Like right. when there's Which first might be a blood. pet or um, like when there's first blood in the uh, game is usually when that happens. Like forty or fifty people in the audience. So does will that get, mean everyone goes? What did I get? Yes, you will okay. absolutely like you'll check your email and you'll get an email if there's something new in your Steam inventory. Wow. Um, and these are called Crimson Witness treasures, which are like special red versions of treasures that are also part of the, the sort of immortal sets um, or special treasures that are just Crimson Witness treasures. That's and genius. they sell for a fucking bananas amount of money. Oh, I'm sure. Um, like I would absolutely sell last, if I got any. <laughs> last year, unopened Crimson Witness treasures were selling for like 200 bucks. Wow. Um and this year, like the the cheapest Crimson Witness treasure from last year is going for like ninety bucks, yeah. And others are going for like two hundred. Uh, and I got Jesus. like five last year, yeah. And so I sold one of them a few days ago that I don't like on the marketplace <laughs> and got like a hundred bucks and promptly bought like eighty dollars worth of loot boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, because uh, Steam money doesn't mean anything to me. Well, yeah. and, and you were going to go to TI anyways, right? So I am going. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to. No, TI. no, no. But I mean that, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like oh, I need to pay off my ticket. Like you had already. You were going well, there to is TI no paying fun. off your ticket because when you sell stuff on the market, like it's for Steam credit. Sure. Yeah, you don't. You I can't know. cash out. Um, I mean, as far as I know, you can't cash out. No. Um, like I, I mean, can sell you could, stuff privately. You, yeah, you could theoretically sell a bunch of gift games to somebody or something mm. i guess God. yeah <laughs> that sounds terrible yeah <laughs> hello craigslist i will gift to you any game for a value of this for real life cash anyway um dota yep. yeah i don't know i don't know what what the deal with artifact is going to be yeah. um i'm i'm disappointed that we don't know more about it i'm just dis- yeah. i would be disappointed when inevitably it is not playable with ti <laughs> right um yeah, that, you're right. That does seem like the perfect place to just have a bunch of people playing. Because there's crazy. so much downtime. Yeah, exactly. It's like the games are, from drafting to end of game, the games are like 40 minutes to an hour and a yep. half. And, then and that's they, great. But then there's yeah. like a 20 to 30 minute break between games. Yep. yep. And then there's like an hour break between sets. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, I mean, some of that's probably realistic setup time. And then some of it's like, Got to give those concession stands a chance to make that 
money. Uh, people go to concession stands <laughs> during games anyway. Um, it's fine. Like it's, I don't, I don't think that it's like necessarily a contrived a certain way. I think they want to give people time to recover because sometimes people have to play back to back sets. Mm. Um, and also they need time to clear out the booths uh, and then escort people in and let them get set up yep. uh, and make sure everything is kosher. There's footage of this of this summit thing on the screen right now, and Matt's just like looking at these people just being giant nerds together. It's, it, no, it's just so funny to me because like one of the things that I've definitely noticed is that like so a lot of esports teams they have people on their crews that shoot their video for them. Like they'll actually buy really nice cameras and just have them locally so they can shoot stuff. And everything, all of them, every single one of these teams that has this and does this shoots. Everything in slow mo. Everything is shot at sixty or one hundred and twenty frames, and their entire video is produced in sixty or one hundred and twenty frames. Yeah, and it has that documentary I show look. You the good and times, dude. It makes me laugh because like it's like a pointless close up or like a pointless camera move. There's also pointless slow mo and pointless slow mo when there's two dudes sitting at a table and one guy just kind of moves his hand from the left to the right while they're talking. That should not be in slow motion. It makes everybody. I mean, I know, look worse. I know why it's there. Which no, is that, like it's, it's emulating, um, it's emulating sports documentary stuff. It it is, but the sports documentary stuff when they do the slow motion things, there's a point to it and a setup to it. Uh, it's basically the and you know God love them and I love them for doing this. So please don't take this as a knock that like these esports teams should not be trying to do their own media. They absolutely should. I love that they're doing it. But right now, it's at uh, college film level. Yeah. <laughs> and it has, it has a certain charming innocence to it that makes me kind of giggle. Yeah. Uh, did you... <clears throat> I'm, just, I'm waiting nothing. for more games. Yeah. Basically. Did you play anything outside of No Man's Sky? I just made sure to get to my level 50 dead orbit faction in uh, Destiny yeah, 2. Yeah, you guys were grinding some <laughs> Destiny 2 last week for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to do most of it on the weekend because I just had such a busy week ahead of me. Because you've got a fucking job. <laughs> and a job that's been very, very busy over the last couple of weeks and is going to be very busy in the next couple of weeks. But that's the thing is that like there's right now there's Destiny 2, which totally has its claws back into me again. Yeah. And I just want to keep playing. But that's a very that's a very heavy time commitment. No Man's Sky is a very heavy time commitment, or it can be if you want to play it that way. And like, I love the exploring, and I want to do the base building and stuff, and that's all very time consuming. Uh, but I still haven't finished Pillars of Eternity too. Ah. Uh. And uh, everything that I've played about that game, I fucking love it, and I can't believe I haven't finished it yet. But it's just another very long game demanding my time. So. I'm kind of doing a thing that uh, I don't do very often in games, which which I'm balancing three very long games at the same time instead of because normally I power through one game. And even if I'm like playing a bunch of Destiny 2, once I switch to another game, I'll just play that other game till it's done. And uh, but the problem is, is that I've got lots of cool people to play games with. Yeah. And I always want to play the games that they're playing. <laughs> yeah, it does make it hard. <laughs> I get it's a rough life, man. I wish I had less friends. I get roped into playing <laughs> games that I'm like, ah, I guess I could play that, but then everyone's playing, so I'm like, okay, let's yeah, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's about it for me too. Should we check all. and see if there are any letters? Play more Fallout or something. Fallout four, because I know that works. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um 
Zach writes in and says, is there a lot of money in licensing video game properties into the food market? Like, why is there no Mountain Dew Slurp Juice edition, which is like a Fortnite thing? Alternatively, mm. how the... Oh, this is all his alternative question. Second. If we don't like it. How the heck do Madden, FIFA, and Battlefield all run on Frostbite? <laughs> Those are extremely different questions. <laughs> yeah, I think he just wanted, if you didn't like one, here's the other one. <laughs> well, Zach... Uh, if you don't like this peanut butter... <laughs> Here's some yogurt. <laughs> There's always money in the food associations. I mean, like the whole... Okay. Uh, Bluth. Well, oh, you cool <laughs> there's always money in the banana stands. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still there still is video game sponsorships that happen on food. We just yeah. don't always see them. Yeah. But they definitely have. But I am surprised that there isn't more Fortnite stuff at this point. That is true. That is definitely true. That that thing is a cultural phenomenon, to like, be sure. I can't, I'm surprised I can't buy a mug that looks like a shield potion and stuff like right. that. Right. school once people go back to school like I, you'll see it i saw a person yeah. who was obviously uh who was homeless today mm-hmm. but they had an ipod touch and they had, were sitting outside a food bank playing fortnite <laughs> and i was like holy fuck man everyone plays fortnite <laughs> no shit uh yeah and yeah the thing was is like uh some of the shelters uh and some of the especially sponsored ones will have wi-fi yeah because being on the internet it's like why does a shelter have wi-fi well because being on the internet is the only way to get a fucking fucking job yeah exactly it's crucial to your fucking existence these days yeah and so the shelters will have will have wi-fi yeah and it's cheaper than having compute it's cheaper than having computers on uh an actual maintained network uh hard hardline network um, and the you know the iPod Touch was probably a donation that he got somewhere. Oh yeah, or yeah, no, found no. Or it wasn't whatever. one of those things that I was like, whatever. I was just like, yeah. that shit is everywhere. Everyone yeah. loves Fortnite. So yes, I'm surprised. I just feel there's... I just always feel the need to head off the people who believe that poor people shouldn't have anything. Well, I also feel like let's say I became homeless through some circumstances, mm-hmm. I would still own my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's like, uh, yep. So I would still have that with me regardless. You know, I may have lost my cell service and stuff, but even mm-hmm. if I lost my cell service, it would still work as a Wi-Fi machine. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I, I don't know that person's It's a circ- computer. Yes, I don't know yeah. that person's circumstances or how they had it, you know? So it's just yeah. like, that didn't surprise me. I was just blown away seeing this person just sitting there playing Fortnite on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just like, <laughs> it's, it's so, I am, I am always surprised at this point that there is not the level of Fortnite licensed stuff the way there is the level of Minecraft licensed stuff at this point. Uh, um, do you think it'll get there? I think it'll. Probably I think so. Get there. I, I did see that recently. They signed on with two companies for licensing stuff. Uh, okay. For toys. It yep, said. yep. Yep. So, but toys could mean a lot of things that don't yeah. necessarily mean toys. Like, well, my uh, my nephews are obsessed over the outfits when they come out. Like, yeah. they played Fortnite like crazy trying to get the Easter Bunny outfits and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that game just continues to be everywhere. I played some on Switch. You know, it's like I don't know. It's it's. A, yeah. it's a, I am curious if I will have to pay for switch online soon to play Fortnite online if that'll become like all their games yeah, yeah. Require online service that's a good point you know? or if it'll just be like certain nintendo games or it feels like it has mm-hmm. to be all everything at some point or else what's like that yeah. sure seems like a great way to get people to play for Nintendo, pay for nintendo online <laughs> if all of a sudden like things like yeah. Fortnite and paladins oh. which is now completely free to play on switch finally hmm. uh requires that stuff hmm. um yep that's and then a good how point. do as far as how those games all run in the same engine an engine EA it's like wanted to do that well it's also that an engine is just like a an engine in a lot of ways is like a collection of tools yes it's like it's like how did they make the stormtrooper armor and also like a dog kennel out of a vacuum form machine 
You know what I mean? It's just for because, the movies. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. But I'm saying the same plastic vacuum form machine could make mm-hmm. the mold for like a dog kennel, a big plastic dog kennel, or it could do it for, you know, complicated pieces of armor mm-hmm. just based on what you feed into it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that that's the way to think of a game engine is mm. that it is a tool set that allows you to do certain things. Now, engines will do certain things better than others, which is why maybe, you know, I could see a sports game working great because it's a small, it's like a small level in a lot mm-hmm. of, in terms of that. And, you know, just like, on the other hand, the physics requirements for a sports game are true. <clears throat> bananas. True. Well, Especially and, for like a perfect spherical object that is going all over the place with yeah, lots of different Yeah, it's true. Things. It's true. A basketball <laughs> and a football in those games are probably very expensive at times. Yeah. Um, well, but, I don't remember, maybe you remember, Arthur, what year it was when EA announced that they were going to be doing Frostbite is like their publisher-wide engine. 2012? I mean, that sounds right to me. Uh, it was definitely around that time period. It was after, it wasn't... like, I think it was after the last of the Mass Effect games, last generation ship. Right. Like, after their sort of Unreal Engine 3 debt right. was cashed. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like, and I mean, you only have to look so far as Unreal to see that there are games mm-hmm. in Unreal that are, like, or Unity, like, mm-hmm. both uh, Subnautica is is a unity game and then so is like a side scrolling 2d like thing on your iphone like yeah so it's just like they can do pretty dramatically different things within reason like unreal 3 was always really bad at having a bunch of high actor counts of like ai guys that were you know like that, that's what gears of war famously i think it only the first gears of war could only have like eight total people on the screen it was mm-hmm. probably like 10 and, and it was, so you keep it was like, having to have dudes respawn if you wanted a big exactly battle. so yeah. it was you know there was there's definitely certain limitations to the things that they do certain ones do things like tessellation better and whatnot like there's technical things that some of them do better and you can make you can force them to do by having a really good fucking team of engineers that can go in and fucking shoehorn their own tools that's like why when you used to see like in the Xbox 360 days, you'd be like, this game just says Unreal Engine. And it yeah. was like Unreal 2, kind of. Uh-huh. But it was like Unreal 2 that they had forced to do a bunch of shit that Unreal 2 was yeah. not made to do by default. Yeah. Same I mean, thing like with the Call Unreal... of Duty engine. I mean, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. The Call of Duty Ubisoft engine. built games on, like, a branch of Unreal for, like, a decade. Yeah. yeah. And, and the and the Call of Duty engine used to be id tech yeah. it still is it still is but it's like it's, it's so heavily modified you would and, never and, be able and to not only is it, it so yeah. heavily modified but i have friends who have worked at on call of duty games mm-hmm. and uh, specifically at raven mm-hmm. and uh and they tell me about how working at raven meant that every year they worked on whoever's call of duty game was coming out mm-hmm. and the tools even between the studios are so different yeah oh yeah, that it was yeah. like yes we are all working in the same quote engine but it is not <laughs> the same engine no yeah, all of them have very bespoke sort of functionality like yeah uh the black ops speed treyarch like focused on fire for some reason mm. in their stuff yeah mm. so you know it's like i don't know you can have really cartoony games in unreal and you can have games that are shooting for like the highest levels of photorealism yeah. so. and, and so, it used to be that like unreal games was it Unreal? Yeah, it was Unreal games that never looked good with big open environments. Yeah, so like they didn't couldn't do it well. They, they the didn't handle they it well. Assets. Right, um, but that's changed now, of course. Yeah, I think now the challenge with Unreal is input latency. Like, oh yeah, all the fighting games that use Unreal actually have like quite a bit more fi- input latency than com- comparable games using other engines. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, you probably just would never notice it in most, I guess, like you know, 
like a shooter and stuff, you may not mm-hmm. notice it, but in something where you're literally counting frames, yeah. like, <laughs> um, the th- like the reason that, that EA switches everything to frostbite is theoretically because it's less work across studios to support everyone that there's like a single base of knowledge that like, right. They can, can they can have project to project. A team, they can have an yeah. internal team at EA that is the frostbite team, you know, that and just does frostbite engineering. Technical advancements for one studio can be applied to the work of another. So like, yeah. is, for example, is like materials based rendering and physical based rendering became a thing. It dice like, yeah. with battlefront. Um, like that is something that the other studios could then take and apply to their own work instead of yeah. having to like come up with their own solutions for something that became like an industry standard. And in theory, thing. that's why you wanted Epic's engine because they were doing that for you too with their right. games that they were yeah. making. Right. Um, well, and that, that's how, uh, and that's how EA pitched it back in the day too. Is it like some studio will need some, some new tech for their game and then we can take that tech and give it to other studios that can then work it into their games. And you know, it's, it's basically the, open source model but closed source <laughs> yeah. it's but a just, big walled garden it's a big walled garden yeah there's a good way and it's not it. like it doesn't have its growing pains because like yeah. frostbite was tech that was designed by a first person shooter developer yeah and so to like the needs of that kind of game versus the needs of a dragon age or a mass effect or mm-hmm. a sports game are very different yeah. yep. um yeah. so it there's been growing pains to that yeah. Obviously, and but it's obviously when, achieved some pretty impressive results. I mean, even when you get an engine, if you want to do things smart, you can almost never like build a game with it just as it is. Mm-hmm. Like you always almost need custom tools like to do it. Like you know, like uh, if I was making Destiny or something like that, and I wanted something like one of the weapons I saw they introduced is like something where I'm sliding in or reflects a bullet. I may not have something in Unreal that can tell me, like, do this and reflect a bullet. So that's when I might have to talk to an engineer that will build me the thing that'll still look like it's built in Unreal. Like, I can access it in Blueprints, but uh-huh. it is made by my people yeah. and integrated. Destiny right, is engine. another interesting example because I'm pretty sure, at least, I mean, even with Destiny 2, that a lot of the, the sort of base bones of that are from the original Halo. Now, so. I was going to say, isn't that just more Halo? Um, like yeah, and they've, like, had, they heavily iterated, Bungie heavily iterated on that engine over and over again up to reach yeah and then obviously 343 had their own sort of tech sort of iterate on that mm-hmm. um, whereas like the new halo that's in development is like the first time since i think ce where they're sort of like completely rebuilding everything oh i didn't know that one um, yeah they're calling it slip space okay is their new engine hmm. um so not based off anything just built from the ground up for I think halo that it's it probably based strange. off some of the halo 5 stuff it, you know they took that as like probably a backbone i bet and then mm. said but what if our graphics renderer could do this shit? And they're like, well, fuck it. It would be strange yeah, if they didn't yeah. keep some of it because some of it is just like, we have really good resolution, incredibly aggressive, effective resolution scaling. Right. Yeah. And like a perfect 60 frames per second. <laughs> right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it's kind of like, if why you were, would you throw that? If you're going to build a new Corvette, you're and like, well, we code. still understand how to make a six headed cylinder block, you know? It's uh, like, right. Not yeah. So it does this, it does this. And it like maintains good network performance. Like those are extremely difficult things to do. And so like at a certain point, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, right. but you can build a new car around it. And then you'll build a new car around it and realize that you broke your wheel. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so. Something in the chassis is poking holes in your wheel. Yeah. Um, oh, so is that the only letter we got? Uh, there's more. Let's do it real quick. All right. bullshit two-letter email. <laughs> Terry writes in and says, 
Will there ever be a time I can have a handheld like a Vita and remote into my Xbox One to play downloaded games? I'm headed to South Africa for a month at the end of the year, and it would be so nice to have something like that. I know a girl can dream, and it's such a nice dream. I've considered packing my 360 into my suitcase and taking it along with a few games from my shelf of unplayed shame back at the 360 day. But with a 220-volt and plugging into a converter, I'm not sure how good of an idea it is. Actually, it probably <laughs> won't work with my mom's PAL TV anyhow. <laughs> I was uh, I, I thought this question was interesting because wasn't there... I've seen the rumor, and I was going to ask you about what you thought of it, but the idea that there's like the uh, Xbox One successor that is... Uh, My Xbox thinks Anthony's talking to it. <laughs> but there's the there's the successor that they've, you know. Scarlet. Uh, yes, yeah, Scarlet. That I've seen rumors going around that it's like, there may be two models at launch. One that's a streaming version and one so, that's cheaper. One that's the cheaper streaming and one that's the actual, like, full-fledged hardware hmm. solution. Okay, so you, that is a separate question from what she's asking. But that would be a box you could <clears throat> take with you and stream your Xbox games. I'm pretty thing. sure she could take her Xbox or her PS4 with her now. And still plug it into whatever. She would just need a different cord because it's just a different power cable at this point. It's not like it needs an entirely different power supply because that's not the way the consoles are built now. And also, every current generation console should support and PAL natively without being custom engineered for it. Hmm. Um, yep. There's PAL settings in every Xbox as it is. Like 50 hertz is a setting. And the the HDMI standard, it should just know what kind of TV it's yeah. plugged into. So that huh. that shouldn't be a problem. Um, as far as what you're talking about, the rumor was that the two next generation Xbox console thing that is supposedly happening according to Therat.com, which is a fairly reliable repository of Microsoft rumors, hmm. is that there is a base full-on dedicated piece of new hardware like that we understand it now where it's got a, a gpu and cpu system on a chip and it's got a hard drive and ram and all that bullshit mm-hmm. um but there will be a box that is <clears throat> that has some hardware on it to handle game logic and controller stuff and network stuff and probably and video decoding in video decoding, but everything is, has video decoding at this yeah, point. Like, there's yeah. not really anything that doesn't have video decoding at this right. point. Um, and all, but also is primarily cloud driven for mm-hmm. graphics and CPU stuff. Right. Um, and theoretically, yes, that that would work for what she's afraid would be her problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's. I think it's for markets where console hardware is too expensive, but high-speed internet is present and cheap. Right. Um, and I think, like, China is a good example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Russia seems to be a good example of that, where high-bandwidth stuff is very popular, but console hardware is not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that... Yeah, it's My simple question was, though, could you see them actually launching with that strategy? I think it would be the only multi-console strategy that makes sense because the idea of them offering multiple power configurations doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's too, it's already it's too a fractured. minor fucking miracle that any console ships, like yeah. that every console ships with parts of its hardware disabled to increase yields. Um, that like every Xbox one and PS4 shipped with CPU cores disabled with shader cores on the graphics element disabled to make sure that it would, they would get enough off the assembly line to launch. Right. Um, yeah, because a lot, I think a <laughs> lot of people don't realize that um, that at the 
sub microscopic distances that uh, chip manufacturing occurs, um, there uh, there are inevitable errors that are introduced. It's so, hard to get rocks to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. Out. So when you get a uh, when you <clears throat> when Intel it's funny when comes you think out about it that way. <laughs> when Intel comes out with its latest chips, for example, and it's like. Uh, I can go get a Core i7 that's 3.9 gigahertz, or I can go get a Core i7 that's 3.2 gigahertz. Those chips were actually manufactured all on the same wafer. It's just that like we don't have the technology to directly control to make sure that all of those chips come out at the same quality. Perfect fabrication doesn't exist. Exactly. So <laughs> like especially at the nanoscales that we're talking about. So uh, those lower rated chips, they could have been on the wafer. It could have been the chip right next to the one that was rated at 4.5, but this one's only coming out at 3.2 because like, well, shit, you so know, that's they quantum. the ones that don't match up to their, do they throw them out? No, they no. mark them. They sell them they as sell a them lower quality version, a like, lower clock speed chip. Oh yeah, but usually, they, at, usually they only have like two versions of the chip. A lot of times, I've noticed. Right, right but so. but those, no. but those. So there's a 1080 and a 1080 Ti. Yes. Or a 1080 and a 1070. Right, but 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 wouldn't the variance be so great that they wouldn't match up to just being a 1080 or a 1080 Ti? Be like 1080, 1080 Ti. Well, that's just it. Like the ratings that are on your chips and the ratings that are on your. Uh, that are on your RAM and stuff like that is up to uh, not it will function at this speed. It's like it will function at up to this speed. I see. Or conversely, they dictate a frequency that they think that a, a majority can run at. And they'll lock it to that. And frequency. they'll lock it to that, which is why yeah. you can overclock video cards, but it right. might not work. Uh, right. no, and that's I, why I that's see. why when you when you get into overclocking, you keep pushing your and chip finding out where your threshold and is. finding out where that threshold is. Okay. Because the because Intel has like locked it at a certain threshold that they know that chip will be able to handle a hundred percent of the time, but you're like, eh, maybe they were too conservative on this. And yeah. a lot of times they were, but like yeah. they need to make sure everything works yeah. right at the speed that they advertised. Um, yeah, or just at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and like there's certain chips, like the one that I got for my PC last year, the fifty nine sixty X, which is specifically designated as one that you would want to overclock if you are into overclocking your chips mm. where it has a higher likelihood of being as being a, a, a yeah being successfully overclocked at a higher level than a non x chipset and intel also introduced the k designation to their chips which right. is like anything with a k could be overclocked yep same kind and of thing and anything without a k could not like, it just yeah. could not be overclocked. Oh, could not? Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. Like, I oh. think that that's the distinction. Mm. That, like, you get, like, a, a 3700 or fucking 3770 mm -hmm. or something. And if it had a K, you could overclock it. Like, you could unlock its multiplier and stuff like that. Interesting. But if it didn't have that, it was just totally locked down. Right, right, um, right. And, and so with video cards, like, I think that that's the thing that most people have this experience with. Like... Two cards might come from the same wafer, but one of them has stuff disabled because they're not totally sure those things work, or they're absolutely sure they don't. And so not only are those things disabled on that card, but with those things disabled, it's running less hot, and so the cooling solution can be less aggressive, and so it doesn't have as much additional manufacturing cost uh, to keep it cool when it's yeah. operating. It's like peak performance. Yeah, that makes um, sense. 
So anyway, process like, I mean, game. The PS4 and the Xbox One and the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X run on something that's called a system on a chip, which is an integrated piece of silicon that has both the processor and the graphics card on the same thing. Right, not unlike i7s and stuff, right, that have a graphics... i7s have a graphics I mean, obviously element. they're not as good, but I'm saying they are in the similar... Although, like, future generations of Intel actually will have integrated AMD graphics. Right. Because they've signed an agreement, uh, which is great. But yep. for now, yeah, it's like that, except, like, theoretically better performance per cost. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so all of these things are run off these assembly lines and the earlier on in, in a console manufacturer consoles history, the less sure they are of how to make it like the, the more, the f- earlier on more mistakes are made Yeah, mm-hmm. and the more mistakes that are possible, like the more you have to be conservative w- with what your yields will be. And yield is like viable product off a single wafer. Yeah. Um, and so if your yield is going to be bad, then you've got to plan hardware for that. Um, just like every Xbox one X has a pretty significant chunk of its Silicon that's deactivated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't whereas know that. the development kits, I didn't are, know they did that either. That I mean, the sense. development kits are way more kitted out. Hmm. Like they've got like 24 gigs of Ram yeah. <laughs> and more and more shader. Pro- right. Shader Cause you cores. have, cause you have to run inefficient software on them for a long <clears throat> time. Yes. And then see a thing and say, fuck, we have to get it under this. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, and I mean like, and, and to add to that just a little bit, like there's stories about how the 360 was originally supposed to launch with 256 megabytes of Ram. And like, mm. there were lots of discussions and Microsoft decided to ship it with 512. That's because the development kit had 512. Oh, uh, interesting. And the planned retail version did not. And uh-huh. so people convinced them to just ship the development version. And that's what Sony did with the PS4. Like uh, the PS4 okay. originally had four gig- gigs of RAM, and the PS4 dev kits had eight because it made developing stuff easier. Right. But when they realized how much of a performance advantage the eight would give it, they decided to ship with that. I see. Um, how much does the Xbox One have by default? The the One or the One X? Just the One. The One has 8 gigabytes of slower RAM. Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. 64 megabytes of like a scratch disk or something. Um, hmm. That's very fast, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's broken off. Yeah. Um, whereas the Xbox One X has like 12 gigabytes of extremely fast memory. Uh, uh, nice. Which is why it's one of the reasons it's able to perform even more quickly than its basic raw teraflop count would suggest over PS4 Pro. Because its memory is... RAM is going to be like a big key thing for the next gen. And like RAM and RAM speed. Yeah, Um, definitely. Just like with video cards now, RAM and RAM speed is like the thing that either lets you run games in 4K or not. Right. (laughs) Yep. Even with turning settings down, like running games at 4K is extremely RAM intensive. If you don't have yep. eight gigabytes of RAM on your video card, you're just not you're not get doing a consistent it. 4K experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and the and, the, uh, and all that ties into her question. Sorry, I forgot her name already. Um, in that, like, uh, I too have always wanted that kind of experience where either streaming from my PC at home or streaming off some kind of cloud service, I can play games and not have to worry about the speed of my RAM or the quality of my video card that I'm automatically getting whatever the best thing is just streamed to me. Yeah. Right. And so that, that is one sort of technical advantage 
in this scarlet scenario of a streaming box versus a, a dedicated hardware box is that mm-hmm. like streaming is a inherently inferior experience because yep. latency is an issue. Latency is something that people are struggling with. Like Microsoft can design around it in such a way that it's minimized, but it's, but still, it's an issue. still an issue. And it's like a deep seated infrastructural problem in this country and all over the world. Yeah. Um, and video quality. I mean, I still notice that issue. even when I play on my home network. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then to add to that, like video encoding and decoding takes time and mm-hmm. introduces artifacting. Yep. Um, and there are ways to minimize that, but it's it takes time. And However, like the the more bandwidth and the speedier bandwidth you have available, uh, it, then it's like, well, do you take advantage of of that? And especially in countries. And the United States is increasingly becoming this kind of country where your bandwidth options are limited and you have to pay for overages. Right. Then you have to compress your video quality even more, which actually takes more time to encode and decode. And so either more time or more processing power. Yeah, or more time or more processing um, power, yeah. And so that's all that's all a problem. On the other hand, if the majority of the technical elements of your console are virtualized, there would never need to be an Xbox Scarlet X streaming box. They could just roll out new server like designations and like specifications and you just get better looking games mm-hmm. yeah. on Scarlet once they have like a new sort of level of hardware distinction. Whereas with like the base hardware, there could be an Xbox Scarlet X or whatever the fuck they decide to call it. Mm-hmm. My final question for you of the night is if they do have the two tiered thing, Obviously, you would just buy the hardware solution, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I in like yeah. I pay extra to not have my fucking bandwidth cap, and I'm angry about it all the time. And I will totally switch internet providers once there's another gigabit option. Yep. Um, yep. That's what, and you know, like uh, we just got gigabit. Like I've talked about a couple times on our the neighborhoods where I live and work in San Francisco, and we're paying I think sixty bucks a month or whatever for gigabit. Including taxes and everything, and you. with no with no gigabit with no bandwidth. Limits. My parents pay eighty nine ninety nine a month mm-hmm. for two megabit internet. Is it yep, like satellite? It is. It is not satellite. It is, but it is the only provider to their area. Mm-hmm. They're they're pretty far away. They are from I, they, every node. They, I that's what my. That's but the what, weird thing is, is like <clears throat> my parents technically live in the country, but you can drive three quarters of a mile, mm-hmm. and you're in town where you can get. Uh, yeah. cable and everything else. It's, like, I, the same thing with my, it's the same thing with my aunt and uncle in just outside of Blackfoot, Idaho. Um, they're not like right in Blackfoot, which is I think a 30 or 40,000 person town. Um, and then, but you go, you drive out past the railroad out all the, you know, out of these roads that have like uh, coordinates designations instead of names. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that they can get out there. Is there? Pay, it's the same kind of thing. They're paying like a hundred bucks a month for basically a DSL. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I looked it up, and I was like, "Surely, I'm going to take care of this while I'm down here." My parents, I, I am just going to nope. contact Comcast, and I was like, "Nope, literally yep. not an option." I was like, "Fuck, man, they're yeah. not that out in the boonies." So yeah. yes, I can see why. And that is a town where there's a lot of fucking people who play games. It is a no. giant. <laughs> they, I mean, town. theoretically, mm. they may be able to pay a contractor to run a line from where they are to the sort of main fiber node. Sure. Um, but it's something that, like, I don't know if Comcast is the sort of provider in that area. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the sucky thing is that, like, these telecom providers own the rights of way 
along uh, different road paths and public paths. De facto owned. Theoretically, they're leasing it, but they may as well own it. They may as well own it, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really stifling process to try to bring in somebody new to establish it. Uh, so, you know, in San Francisco, we had terrible internet service and terrible options for so many years because everybody was fighting over these rights of way all the time. So, you know, I feel for anybody that's in these situations, but it's the kind of thing that where if that fiber infrastructure exists as sort of a universal, then things like streaming console services and things like cloud computing services in general that would be available to you as a just a desktop user would be freaking amazing. I mean, like, I would be totally fine going more towards the old school mainframe model if I had access to that level of power. Yeah, UK is committed to going full fiber in the next, like, you know, But the UK is, has terrible issues with bandwidth caps. Yeah, well, and yeah. they're also much smaller. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, like, their their internet infrastructure in many places is just absolute dog shit. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. Yeah, it's, I just mean laying the fiber is like much more reasonable in your countries. I mean, if yeah, that much smaller, if yeah. the state of infrastructure wasn't as bad as it is, Microsoft theoretically wouldn't have to put as much hardware into these streaming boxes. It sounds like they're doing, yeah. um, which makes it much more expensive than people expect a streaming box to be. Yeah. Um, like there's talk about it being like a couple of hundred bucks, which is like mm. way more than like a steam link or like a, like a mm-hmm. Chromecast or fucking anything. Cause else it has like to that. have the hardware. It has to have some hardware. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I hope it works out for them because I actually, I actually like that model. It's an interesting idea for sure. Um, it, if you're doing that, you really have to trust like a lot of things from Microsoft that I don't necessarily know that they have people totally on board with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. Because like the idea of of who owns what yep. has definitely like appeared with digital games. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank Thanks. you for the questions. Letters at eat-sleep-game.com. I'm on the internet. I'm at Twitter at Chuff Money. I pretty much check my mentions, so if you mention me, I'll, I'll see it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitch at Twitch uh, slash Chuff Money, where I play games with Matt and a bunch of other people. Yep. You can join our Discord. Um, we have fun. We do. I we like, like to have so. fun. Yeah, uh, you can find Arthur. He's on Twitter at a e g i e s. It's also what he streams under. Mm-hmm. And then you can find him on Instagram at Pragmagic if you want to see the artwork that he's always talking about, having people critique very fairly and passionately and <laughs> and considerately. Um, and then you can find Matt at Talking Orange on Twitter and at Matt Chandernay on Twitch. Yep. So do those things. It's at James underscore Faulkner for James who couldn't be here this week, who's hosting Mitch. So that ginger fuck. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Go forward. Do things with your life. Patreon.com slash. Oh, yes. I keep forgetting about this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Arthur has Arthur a Patreon. Has a Patreon to support his games writing. Yep. It's not games writing. I don't think I'm going to be writing much about games. Games adjacent things. Games adjacent writing. Sure. Right now I talk about how you should read Transmetropolitan and why. Right. Nice. Yes. Arthur's a good writer. You should support him. He's also a supporter of Transmetropolitan, and he knows a lot about it. <laughs> a lot. So, in the same way that I nerd about starships, he's done his nerding out about Transmetropolitan. So, uh, yeah, and probably even more so than my knowledge of starships. So, I bet. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I didn't, I, didn't, fucking I didn't know that much. That's why I was reading these. Like, I couldn't, prior today, have told you what classification of Voyager the Voyager was. So, What classification is it? I already forgot. 
Oh. I was hoping you weren't going to call me. <laughs> but, yeah, anyways, I'll see you guys later. Have a nice life. Till next time. Love you. Bye.